0: Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. And this week we have Tanya Dalton joining us. It was such a joy to interview Tanya. In 2009, she started her first business with $50. She went on to transition into the business she runs today, Inkwell Press, in 2014 and quickly scaled it to a seven-figure business in 18 months. Tanya is the real deal and I can't Wait for you guys to hear me pick her brain. Yep, I said that phrase. I don't love it, but I said it for this episode on productivity. She is a productivity goddess. She truly knows what it takes to run a business while prioritizing your family. And to do that, it takes some strategy. So I loved this episode. I think you will too. And I can't wait for you guys to meet Tanya. Hey, Tanya. How are you? Great. I'm so glad to have you on. I would love for you to kind of start by sharing your story and kind of telling us, telling our listeners where you got started and where you are today.
1: Absolutely. So I started life in a very different place than where I am now. I, I started off, you know, as an adult, as a teacher. That was my first my first career. And then I quit teaching when I had kids and I was a stay-at-home mom. And I kind of felt like that that was the path that I was going to be on. I was going to be this stay-at-home mom. But my husband was traveling a lot at the time. He was uh, doing marketing for these big Fortune 500 companies, and he would leave our home. We were living in Dallas, Texas at the time, and he would fly all the way around the globe, literally leave the continent and come all the way back on the other side of the planet. So he would be gone for three and four weeks at a time. Wow. So yeah, wow is right. When you got two little kids, that was a long time. And so I decided, you know, I needed to have an outlet. I needed to do something than just parenting. So I decided I wanted to start a little business. And just kind of on the side, no big deal. I had $50, so I started this business for myself. And I was basically, you know, not interested in growing it too big. I really was selling to friends, maybe friends of friends, and that was that was that was fine for me. But I had this this evening where I was talking on the phone with my husband who was on the other side of the planet at the time. And the kids were out in the backyard playing and I was telling him all the things that the kids were doing, the new words that Kate was saying and the, the things that Jack was had going on. And, and my husband got really, really quiet. And he's normally a quiet guy, but he got really quiet. And I said, you know, what's what's wrong? And he said, I'm missing everything. Oh. I go, no, you're not. You're not. I mean, it broke my heart. And he said, no, I feel like I am missing all of the milestones. I'm missing the big moments. He said, and it it just kills me. And so, you know, I, I was on the phone with him trying to trying to make him feel a little bit better. But when I when I had the phone with him, I stood there in my kitchen and I saw my kids playing in the backyard and I I thought to myself how lucky I am that I have a husband who really wants to be this hands-on dad. And I made the decision standing there in that kitchen that I was going to grow this itty bitty teeny tiny business of mine to the point where he could come and work lo- alongside of me. So he could be home with the kids as much as he wanted so he could be the hands-on dad that he really wanted to be. Now, there I am standing in my kitchen with a business that I started with 50 bucks <laughs> and with you know no business experience whatsoever, again, selling to friends and friends of friends. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to grow this business. And I'm going to figure out how to do it. So I sat down that night and I created some systems for myself because I was still a stay-at-home mom with two small kids and a husband who traveled for three or four weeks at a time. So I had to figure out how I was going to make that work and how I was going to grow it. But within about a year, I was able to make that a reality and my husband was able to come and work alongside of me, and I became the main breadwinner for our family. And that was wonderful. I loved working with my husband. It was great. It really afforded us the lifestyle we, we loved, where we were both at home with the kids as much as we could be. And it allowed us to leave Dallas, Texas, and move to where we wanted to live, which is Asheville, North Carolina, which is where we are now. But here we have created this lifestyle for ourselves that, that makes us really happy but I wasn't truly fulfilled. I wasn't fulfilled by what I was doing, what I was putting forth into the world. I didn't feel like it was making the impact I wanted to. And just to give you an idea of what I was doing, I was making jewelry. So I had this whole, that was what I had started as that first business was this jewelry business that turned into a wholesale jewelry business. Wow. So I went to my husband and here we are with a business that I have started. That is our sole income for our family. It's what pays our mortgage. It, feeds our children three meals a day they insist upon having. (laughs) And that that was our life. And I went to him and I said, you know, I am not fulfilled. I am not happy with what I'm creating. And I don't know what to do. And he said, you know what, let's figure out what's going to make you happy. And he said, you tell me what you want to do. And I will follow you where you want to go. And I said, well, I think that's the problem. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I'm going to be fulfilled by. And what if there is nothing out there for me that really will fulfill me? And he said, you know what, let's carve out some time and some space for you to, to figure this out. So that's what I did. I created some space for myself to really uncover and discover what I was passionate about. What are the things that were truly important to me? And through this process, I uncovered three things that were really important to me and the person that I am. So the first thing is teaching. As I mentioned, I used to be a teacher. And once you're a teacher, I think you are always a teacher. I love teaching people, and I love educating other people. So teaching was one thing. Empowering women was another thing. I was doing a lot of small business consulting and helping other women grow their businesses the way that I had. So I love the idea of empowerment of women. And then I loved productivity. I loved the fact that productivity is what allowed me to create this lifestyle for us. And it really, that was at the heart of what enabled us to live that life. And so here I have these three things, teaching, empowerment of women, and productivity. And I'm like, where, do, where does this take me? <laughs> I have no idea. But I had to, I had to create you know, a connection between those three things. Those three things I connected, and that is what enabled me to open up Inkwell Press. So Inkwell Press is a company that focuses on empowering women through productivity and enabling them to be able to live their best lives. So it's not just about having products, there is a very strong foundation of education and that teaching that's steeped in this. And so that was what enabled me to take these these passions of mine and grow it into one business. And once I started that business, I was so passionate about what I did. That is insane. It really it, it felt insane you know, to me. But I think truly too, because once you understand what you're passionate about, and when you use productivity to your advantage, you really are able to scale up and scale up quickly. So when I hit that seven figures as a business, I only had three employees. And that included me and my husband. So we had one other person working for us. And I think that's one of the things that gets me so excited when I'm talking to people is these goals and these dreams that you keep pushing aside because you're overwhelmed by life on a daily basis. You don't have to live that way. You really can go after your big goals and dreams and make them happen. It is possible to live the life that you really want and still get all the other things done you have to do throughout the day. Um, It really is a matter of figuring out what is truly important to you And focusing in on that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So
0: can you kind of tell me about that transition? You know, did you close down your jewelry business or did you kind of stay in it as you built out Inkwell Press? How did that go?
1: That's a great question. And that was one of the things that we were like, how are we going to do this? But what I ended up doing, I, I truly, to be honest with you, I thought I would leave that first business open and I would carry on with opening up Inkwell Press while that one continue to sustain us because as i mentioned that was our income right but i found that through the process of uncovering what i was passionate about and really getting excited about what i was going towards and what i wanted to do the time i really needed to spend on inkwell press didn't really allow for me to continue that other business to i, I wasn't looking for it to grow anymore i was looking for it to you know just kind of maintain but i wasn't able to maintain it to the standards that i believe that the business should have been run. You know, because even though that wasn't going to be my first love, I still wanted to make sure I was offering amazing customer service, that I was putting out the best products out there, and I felt like by trying to do both, I was going to spread myself too thin. And I didn't feel that that was fair to my customers, and I didn't feel like that was really fair to me, nor was it fair to Inkwell Press, which is where I really wanted to pour in my energy. So I had to I had to make a decision, and that was really hard. I had to make the decision to cut that first business go. And for anyone who's ever grown a business, you know, that's, that was like my third child. I mean, I had nurtured and grown, I had birthed that, that, that business. And that was a really hard grieving process I had to go through to close that business. Even though I was so excited about Inkwell Press and so on fire with how much passion I felt for it, there was still that process. Absolutely. Of we invest so much of our blood, sweat and tears in our businesses oftentimes. And sometimes they get more of our attention than our own children. If <laughs> We're totally being honest with ourselves. And so that that was difficult. But I sat down with my husband and we made a plan and we we created a budget for ourselves where we could really focus in our money on what was also really important. Um, you know, no more sushi dinners, no more going out to movies, no more, you know, after school activities, which when people ask me about that, they say, well, wasn't that difficult? Wasn't that hard? And the easy answer there is it really wasn't hard. Wow. Because I was so passionate about what I wanted to do, it was so much easier for me to say no to those other things and to tighten up my belt so I could really pour in all that I could into Inkwell Press. And I think that's what really helped us, you know, push ourselves to be so successful. You know, when we started that company, I didn't want to bring over my old email list. I didn't feel like that was fair to those customers. I started with an email list of absolutely no one, zero people on that list, And I started trying to market and and get more people on my email list, probably around June. And we launched in November. And on our launch, we had 500 orders. Wow!
0: So did you have an online social media presence? At what point, you know, I know you have a YouTube channel. How did you have 500 orders on your first launch? And kind of what expectations would you set for someone listening on a launch? Because that is
1: best case scenario. (laughs) It, It really was. I'll be honest. A week before. So I knew that, that the email list was growing. Obviously, I was watching that and maintaining that. A week before, someone said, you know, how do you feel about, you know, the business and the launch? And I said, you know what, it's either going to be amazing, or we're going to be living in our car under a bridge. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was kind of one of those things. And I just kind of said it laughing, but there was a little bit of a thin edge of truth to that. But you know, what I did was, I really focused in on who my ideal customer was. I didn't try to be everything to everyone. I honed in and I focused, as I said, on women. And I, I didn't try to, to market everywhere. I thought about where do I find women? How do women find me? What are the places that the customer who I think will love my products, where does she spend time? And so I started doing, you know, I started uh, doing uh, Instagram. I created a, a Facebook group from you know right away at the beginning to try to grow a you know a fan group. I I did some some targeted Facebook ads. And then, you know, I really believe in this philosophy of give, 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 and then you get. Absolutely. So this whole time I am giving to these to these people who are signing up. I'm giving them free downloads. I'm giving them you know, all kinds of really good information. When you're giving to these people, it's not giving away things that you don't care about. It's giving away really good stuff, things that you could charge for, but but you don't. And so that's what I did is I really nurtured them and I, sh- I invested in them. And then when the time came for my launch, they turned around and they invested in me. And, and that's what I think made the biggest difference. Wow. I 100%
0: abide by this philosophy, can you kind of shed light on how you chose a mindset of abundance and generosity in an online business world
1: that preaches scarcity? Yeah, that's a good question because I think a lot of people get really nervous about giving away free content or, you know, giving away free downloads. And I give away free content every week as as you do as well on our podcasts, right? Yeah. yeah, I give away really good content for free because i really believe in that relational part of of the business i believe in relationships i'm not interested in somebody coming to me buying a course or buying a planner and then saying bye-bye see you in a year i want to nurture them i really do want to help them succeed and grow and so part of that is offering these items to them you know with our with our planners when you purchase a planner Um, it's not, you know, oh, come again, we'll see you, we'll see you in six months, see you in a year. It is, all right, now you have your planner. Let's walk through how to figure out your productivity system. Let's walk through how the planner works. Let's figure out what your priorities are and what's most important to you. So we have a whole video setup series that costs a lot of money for us to do and for us to to create, but that's something we give for free to our customers because then in turn, when I do ask them to come back next year to buy, or when I ask them, you know, come buy a course or do one of those things, they're happy to invest back in me because they know that I have been making these deposits into them over and over again. And I think that's the thing. Every one of us wants to be seen, right? We all want to be seen. And when you react to your customers and you treat your customers as people that you care about, that makes a really big difference. People, you know, your customers can feel that. It's but it has to be from a genuine place. You can't give away things because you think I'm gonna give them this because I want to get this something else in return. Yeah. It, you really have to do it from a place of of giving. I truly am invested in helping women succeed. That is what is ultimately at the end of the day, what is most important to me. It is not the bottom line. I never want to run a business. all I care about is how much money I'm making. I offer products sometimes that I think, I don't know if this is going to sell or not, but I know this is going to help certain women and I'll offer it anyways. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how much money you make. It's the quality of life that you create for other people and the quality of life that therefore ends up being for you. And I think that's what helps build that passion. Absolutely. So how do you toe the line
0: You know, this is kind of the flip side of the generosity question, but how do you toe the line of not being a bleeding heart and giving it all away? Because the reality is is you do have to run a profitable business.
1: It can't be all heart. And clearly you've scaled it to seven (laughs) figures. So I want to hear about that. Yeah, I think that's a good question. And that's something that a lot of people struggle with, you know, understanding either or they don't want to charge enough or they feel guilty charging money for their for their products. And here's the here's the easiest way to look at it in my opinion. My mission is to help women and to help women succeed and grow their own dreams and their goals. I cannot do that if I am not earning an income because making videos, creating a podcast, you know, offering up free downloads, all of those things cost me a lot of money. I spend thousands and thousands of dollars every month creating free content. I cannot offer all of these things if I am not generating an income. So I have to figure out what is worth, you know, what, what I need to charge for. And so generally to me, it's the bigger items. You know, I give, give away the podcast every week for free. I give away the, the YouTube videos for free, but the course that I create where I am in a private Facebook group and I am hands-on helping these women grow their, their, their lives and, and make these transitions I'm in there with them, and so that's an investment of my time, and it's, I, it's a big investment of, of me personally. So I don't feel bad about charging for things like that because at the end of the day, I honestly know that what I'm charging them is not nearly what the value of the product is. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and I, mean, I, I, I know that it's you know a valuable product.
0: Yeah, I think too.. It like it really boils down to what you said of like if you're not justifying the time spent, like you would actually have to go get a day job and couldn't create the content if you weren't right paying yourself enough to spend that time on the content or the money. You know, like you said, you know, often for a free download, we're hiring people to help us create a free product that might cost us hundreds or thousands of dollars. Now, yeah. And so I think it's just really important to know that. And for the for those of our listeners who are kind of thinking about that of like, Oh yeah, this is kind of a long game strategy. Every spirit of generosity, every free thing is, is, is costly, but it, the payoff's great both in creating a loyal following who feels like you are giving without expectation and building that trust, that like known trust factor, but also, you know, playing the long game of these might be the people that purchase a course long, long term and, not only is, like you said, that worth their time and money and investment. It's also,
1: you know, a fraction of what the value really is. Right. Exactly. And so, to me, that's one of the the easiest guilt free ways to look at charging. If you're feeling guilty for for charging what you're worth, quite frankly, right? Yeah. If you're feeling guilty about that, think about what the impact is, what what you're putting forth into the world, and that that does require money. Unfortunately, life requires money. <laughs> we need to we need to be able to eat. We need to be able to to pay our rent. We need to be able to pay our teams. I mean, that's one of the things I think about. I take my my team, the people, my employees, I take that very seriously that responsibility. It's very important to me. My team never worries about whether they're going to be getting a paycheck, you know, regardless of what's going on with the business. I want to make sure that I'm running a business that I consider to be a family first business, that I am able to prioritize my family over the business. And I expect my employees to prioritize their families over my business as well those things take, take a lot of effort and take a lot of money. And so you have to just make sure that you're charging appropriately when, when you need to. Yeah. Would you say,
0: I don't know if you experience this, but I definitely do. Every new product or service you release into the world, you have to kind of overcome a hurdle of the value of that service. Because I think it's really easy for me per se to get super confident in my Instagram insta breakout course or my instagram management services with my agency it's really easy for me to be like nope i'm not gonna haggle i know exactly what this is worth i know this is tremendously valuable and i'm undercharging and over delivering and so that one i'm uber confident in you know the second someone says that's too expensive i'm like that's fine. I have, you know, a DIY version if that's not for you, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna back down on that. But I find I have to really relearn that with every new product or service I release into the world. And just because I'm confident in my It's to breakout mm-hmm. course might not might not mean I'm gonna be overnight confident about my next program.
1: I think that's really true. And I think I think you touched on something really important there when you talked about how no matter what you charge you know, someone's going to tell you it's too expensive. So you have, no matter what it is, and even if you charge them way less than what you were paying for it, someone will tell you it's too expensive. So so here's the thing is you have to know what you are worth, right? And you have to get over that hurdle of wanting everyone to be your customer. You have to really understand not everyone is your customer and that's okay. Yes, like for me, I want to make as much impact as I can. Not everyone is going to sign up for my course, that's okay. I offer plenty of other things for them. For the people who don't want to pay for that, they're going to get, you know, still the podcast. I'm still offering up the videos. They're not going to get as much hands-on access to me as they do, you know, if they're in the course, but there's still something out there for them. And I think that's what it boils down to. And this is what I love when I'm talking about business is it ties into this idea of productivity. It really is. And to me, productivity, just to back up for a second, productivity is not about doing more. It is about doing what is most important. And that is what I'm looking at here. Whenever I'm looking at my business, what is most important Right. And so there are certain customers who are your ideal customers. Those are the customers that are important to you. What are they going to pay for this? How much, how much time and energy did I spend on this? So there's this idea of, you know, making sure you're allotting your time and spending it where it's most important. And that includes spending time on the customers that really are your ideal avatar.
0: Absolutely. And I think it kind of boils down to as well, when you are operating your business out of a spirit of generosity and you're giving away the content such as the podcast or free downloads or tutorials or whatever for free you can feel so confident in charging what your actual paid offer is worth because again there are no questions left on the table of is you know am i am i you know hoarding it all and keeping it close and charging right. you know exorbitant prices for the tip of the iceberg no i'm actually giving away quite a bit for
1: free and this is
0: the next tier of being able to work and invest with me
1: absolutely i i completely agree that's that's the thing is there's you know we get caught up in thinking that we have to give 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 and never get and and that's just not how how it can work. We we really have to get occasionally so that we can we can pay for those gives that we're giving and give generously. But that doesn't mean that you have to give away the farm while you're at it.
0: Totally, totally. So I want to hear you talk more about productivity. I know that your sweet spot. I don't know if you know the Enneagram. I know you do some disc yes. work. I think, but I'm a seven. So anything organization, productivity, uh, reeling all of this chaos that is my mind into one linear line, of, one linear <laughs> cohesive line of thought, I am, am
1: here to soak it all up. So tell me all the things. <laughs> well, I'm an eight. So I'm happy to tell you. <laughs> but yet, you know, I kind of touched on this a minute ago, but productivity to me is not about doing more. It's about doing what's most important. So it really is understanding where you want to spend your time, we have these you know these resources like we have time and energy and focus, which are our three most valuable personal resources that we have. We have to figure out where we're going to allot those throughout the day. So when you use productivity to your advantage, it really is looking at the things that you have on your list and then saying, "Where do I need to spend my time?" you know, when we talked earlier about, you know, whether I kept the old business open while I started the new business, that was productivity at work. It was me saying, I need to spend my time, energy and focus growing Inkwell Press. I think I need to say no over here to this business I've already, you know, that I'm that I'm walking away from. So you have to start looking through this lens of really understanding what is most important. And the catch here is it's not what's most important to your friend or to your spouse or to, you know, your neighbor. It's about what's most important to you. And so productivity to me is a very personal thing. It's very, it needs to be customized to each person. And that's part of the reason why in our videos, we walk through talking about what is important to you. How are you spending your time? Because everybody is different. And I think that's one of the mistakes that we find a lot of times with productivity systems that maybe we feel like, you know, I've tried doing some of these systems and they don't work for me. I think oftentimes it's because these systems are so rigid and they expect you to work your life around the system. And I believe it should be the opposite. It should be your life at the center and the systems work around it. That's the productivity paradox that I talk about. That's why I named my podcast productivity paradox, because it really is about customizing these systems and these strategies to work for you, to play to your strengths and to play to your weaknesses, both. We don't want to have a system that's so rigid that it doesn't really work for the way that we want our life to work. And I think oftentimes we feel obligated to do these overly complicated systems or to to make our pantry look like it's on Pinterest or, or you know, these ideals that we have that this is what we're supposed to do versus what we really want our life to look like.
0: Yeah, so what would you say for, you know, maybe an entrepreneur who's not just getting started but kind of in the pre- in the trenches what would be some tips to kind of zipping up their systems not
1: overly complicating it and kind of getting working smarter, not harder? Yeah, I love that question. Because I think that's one of the things is people get overwhelmed with all the things they have to do every day. And part of that is because as an entrepreneur, especially, we are wearing a 1000 different hats. So you know, we put on our finance hat, we take off our finance hat, we put on our marketing hat, then we take off our marketing hat, then we put on our, you know, our content creator hat, and it continues all day long. And we're running putting out fire after fire. And this is why we run around busy all day long, but at the end of the day when we slip into our bed and our head hits the pillow, we feel unsatisfied and unsuccessful. It's because you know we think to ourselves, I should have done more, but then I was busy all day long. Why is that? It's because you know if you spend your day doing all the things on your list and, and running around from one thing to the next and not really focusing on what is most important, you're not making these bigger steps towards the life that you're wanting for yourself. So I think one of the most important things is to stop and prioritize. And one of the things I advocate is to not do a to-do list. The to-do list is one of those, you know, staples of productivity that everybody uses and thinks is going to help them. But your to-do list doesn't really help you know where to go. And I often tell people that overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. And a to-do list, because it's long, because a lot of times it's jumbled and unorganized, it's easy to just keep tacking items to, it doesn't really tell you where to start. So what I really recommend is instead of sitting down and writing out a to-do list each day, sit down and make a priority list and write down your items that you wanna get done in order of priority. So I have a priority list that I teach people about that has three different tiers. The top one being immediate, which is items that are urgent and important. And then the second tier is the important level. These are items that are important, but not necessarily urgent. So they're not a screaming fire. They don't have a tight deadline. But honestly, this is the area where you're doing things like writing your business plan, setting up a budget for yourself, creating a strategy for your marketing, right? The things that are truly going to catapult your business forward but because they don't have a deadline, they don't get done. And then that third tier is insignificant items, which are the items that are not important, but they're urgent. It's about 90% of your email inbox, right? Or most of the phone calls you get in the day. And the problem is a lot of times we focus on the urgent items because they are the screaming fires, right? They're the things that are screaming out to us, making all the noise that they have to be done. So we spend our time just knocking these urgent items off of our list Instead of truly worrying about what is most important, starting at that top tier of items that are important and urgent, then focusing on important items that are not urgent, and then at the end of the day, at the very bottom of your list, those other items that are urgent but not really important. When you spend the majority of your time on things that are important rather than just urgent, you begin to see those big steps forward in the direction that you're wanting to go, and that is really how you grow a business. It's the long game. As you mentioned, it's sitting down and creating the marketing strategy. It is sitting down, creating that financial budget. It is sitting down and creating that path for yourself. So you know where to go next. So it tells you this priority list tells you where to start and you're no longer overwhelmed by all of the things you really know where you want to focus. And that's on the things that are important. Absolutely. I love
0: what you had to say there because man, it's so easy to just wade through your inbox for hours a day. As soon as you get to inbox zero, there's five more ready to be answered. And so,
1: yeah, do you have digging a hole in a sandstorm? It just keeps
0: filling and filling and filling. Yes. Have you had to change your relationship with how you respond to emails? Have you deleted emails from your phone at any point? Do you have rules around? Because I think that's a kind of a swamp that a lot of us entrepreneurs (laughs) get stuck in. And so Send us all the advice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I like that term swamp because I really think that's accurate because, you know, the more you struggle to get out of it, the deeper it just sucks you down. And I think that's one of the problems is that, you know, we get into our email inbox. Oftentimes people check their inbox before they're even out of bed in the morning. First thing they're doing is checking that email inbox and they're allowing that email inbox to dictate their day. You know, you get, you get an email from a customer who's upset, your day is already ruined and you haven't even gotten out of bed, yeah. you know, and I mean that this is the thing and we're allowing these people to pull us in these different directions. So I do really check my email very mindfully because otherwise I get, I just like everybody else, I get sucked into it. So what I do is I do not check email until after I have sat down and I have prioritized my day. So I make sure that I take care of what I want to get done for the day, and then I check my email. I do not check it before because I do not want other people's urgent fires to become mine. Yeah. I think it is so important for you to set the tone and the direction of your day. You own your day, so act like you own it. Your email inbox does not. And often we we want to believe that our that our email is, is taking us the direction we want to go, but... Really, it's just, we're just digging that hole and digging that hole again and again. So what I do is I go in and I give myself very, I call them containers. I give myself a container of time to be in my email. So, you know, I check it mid-morning. So generally I would say, you know, it's not set in stone, but around, you know, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, somewhere in there. I go in and I give myself a container of 15 minutes to go through. And I check what I have in my inbox. I respond to things and then I close it out. If I don't close out my inbox, I am like Pavlov's dog, that thing beeps and pings. And then I'm like, Ooh, what's in there, (laughs) right? Like it's some sort of treat at the bottom of a cereal box. And so I have to close it out. So I'm not tempted to go back in. So I check it mid morning. Then I check it, you know, right around lunchtime. Then I check it again, mid afternoon. And then I check it early evening. And by really limiting myself to only checking it during these four times of the day and giving myself a container of time, I'm spending essentially, that's still an hour of my day, right? 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. It's still an hour of my time, but I'm spending far less energy than most people are on email. And I try not to check it incessantly. I don't like to check it on my phone. Um, I have it on my phone just because I think it's convenient for when I'm traveling or those types of things. But really constraining myself and not allowing myself to get sucked into that swamp, I think is one of the things that really helps me. It is so easy to let our inbox lead us down into that swamp where we can't get
0: back out. I 100% agree. And I've had entire seasons where email is not on my phone. I, you know, have very... I even have clients where I had to remind them that I have a 48 hour response window because you really set the expectations with how you respond. So if you're responding at midnight, when they email you and you do that two, three, four times, you know, you set the Mm -hmm. X, then the second, you know, you take 24 Mm -hmm. hours or 48 hours to respond, they're confused and shocked. And so we really do have control over setting the tone and setting our own boundaries. And that's been a big, big challenge for, for me. So I've Kind of love to hear you
1: share about that. Well, I think that's a challenge for a lot of people. You know, we get we get frustrated when people invade our boundaries. But if we don't convey to them and communicate to them that these are our boundaries, they don't know, right. they don't understand. And if you're regularly responding at 11 o'clock at night, they assume I email at 11 o'clock at night, she's going to respond. And so I think that's a big thing for people to understand. Hours of business and hours of availability are two very different things, right? You You may work at 11 o'clock at night, that doesn't mean you're available, You can respond to emails, but you don't send them at 11 o'clock at night. You can respond and write them out, save them as drafts. And then in the morning, when you're in your hours of business, then you send them out. Or you use a service like Boomerang to just go ahead and schedule them. But responding to clients after hours You make that exception one time, and I guarantee that that client is like, all right, I can do this again, right? She's made the exception. So you really have to set our boundaries so that other people understand them and know them and gently remind them, oh, I responded in 48 hours. You know, put it in your email signature, put it on your voicemail. Make sure that you're communicating that. I think that's one of the things that we forget, and then we get frustrated. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So,
0: you know, I know that we've had such a great conversation, but before we go, I want you to tell us more about the live
1: well method. Yeah, so the live well method is the course that I, I open up once or twice a year, kind of depending on what's going on in my own life. You know, I don't like to run the course if I have too many things going on personally, because I like to really pour a lot of my energy and focus into into my students. And so it's a course that I, I open up and it really follows this methodology of creating your best life. So to me a lot of productivity is focused on this idea of intentional living, of of living with priority at the center the things that are most important to you that's driving your day and driving what what you're, what you're spending your time on. So we go through a four-step process. And the, the course itself is about five weeks long. It's four weeks of content, but I put a buffer week in the middle so we can all take a little breath and catch up when we need to. But we walk through the different steps. And the, the, the first step to me is discovery, really uncovering and figuring out what your priorities are, because then that's what allows you to create systems around those priorities. So we do discovery, then we talk about clarity and really clarifying those priorities and making sure those are sitting front and center in our lives. And then we talk about in module three, simplifying, creating systems and and understanding that, yes, there are things that are really important to you, but you still have to do laundry. You still <laughs> have to. You know, there's still yard maintenance. There's still, you know, changing the air filter. How do you get those things done that you don't really want to do so that you can focus your time? And then the last module is about harmony because I do not advocate for balance. I think balance does not exist. I really believe that we need imbalance in our lives in order to move forward. We do have to sometimes spend more time in different areas. So we talk about that idea of harmony and how to find harmony in your life. Um, And so that in a nutshell is the live well method. It really is about teaching people to live well and to live the best life that they can. I love that. And I love
0: your, you know, kind of one-liner balance is bogus and kind of this Mm -hmm. idea of harmony. I think that's really true and it really does propel you forward when you do find imbalance in your life. And so I I think this sounds incredible and I'm sitting here like, sign me up, when's your next lunch? (laughs) But I have so enjoyed chatting today, Tanya. Where can everyone find you? How can they shop with Inkwell Press or check out this course or
1: On a wait list. Tell us all the things. Yeah. So most of my uh, stuff is housed over at inkwellpress.com. So if you go to inkwellpress.com, you can find information about my courses. My podcast is uh, is there. There's a link there. It's inkwellpress.com/podcast. My uh, Tanya TV episodes are there. You can find links to that, which is inkwellpress.com/youtube. But you can find everything there at Inkwell Press, and that's that's a great place to go. A little hub. So you can see all the different information that we do because, you know, I really like to to teach people and with this idea of diving deep into these topics. So we do a season for 13 weeks and each topic that we go into, we do a podcast episode, there's blog posts, oftentimes there's videos. So when we do a topic that really resonates with you, you can dive a little deeper into that and really figure out how to make the things and the strategies we talk about really work for you in your life. So that's generally the best place to find me. Of course, I'm on social media, Tanya Dalton underscore official is my Instagram handle and I'm there I'm oftentimes answering questions. So, so yeah. That's right it. it has been such a joy to have you. I could talk to you for hours about productivity because like I said,
0: <laughs> that's not my sweet spot. Although I do surround myself with people who can help me get my mind right and a little more productive, but I'm so glad to know you. I'm excited to check out your course and just thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed speaking with you and I really hope that your listeners, if they walk away with one idea for, for living with a little bit more intention and and focusing on truly what is most important to them, I think this will be this will be a win. I sure hope so. Thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you. Hey,
0: don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. not every day you have to replace a water heater more like every 10 years the home depot can help with a wide selection of the latest models from ream and a helpful online water heater buying guide to help make choosing the right ream easy from gas to electric tankless even smart models that can spot a leak before it happens water heaters have come a long way you don't have to go to homedepot.com to find the latest ream water heaters and helpful answers and advice from our water heater buying guide only from the home depot how doers get more done save your most important documents and photos in the cloud. A Microsoft 365 subscription gives you a full terabyte of secure OneDrive storage, plus an added layer of protection with OneDrive Personal Vault. Buy now at Microsoft365.com photos.